back to Centered Subject. We're back. Centered Subject is a podcast that focuses on abstraction, absurdity, and the digital body. And we invite you to get lost and found with Jenny and Elena, as they, were in fact us, discuss current events. Wow, I think it's amazing that a year into having a podcast, I'm still figuring out how to introduce it. <laughs> Growing all the time, I guess. Anyway, I'm Elena. Hello. Jenny, you there? Hello. Hi. How's it going? You know, just choir times, quarantining. Yeah. In this here apartment in Los Angeles. Yourself? Yeah, me too. I have um, better headphones right now, but also I read recently that the quarantine has made the world quieter. Sure. So I, I can hear more sounds. And also I think there just are more sounds to notice these days. Yeah. Have you heard more bird sounds? Not really. A lot of the sounds that I hear come from above. That much is true, but they're usually from my upstairs neighbors. Oh, right. Um, who are moving <laughs> sometimes at alarming rates. I'm not sure what they're doing in there. But I suppose we all have to find some things to do when we're inside the house. I think my neighbors just rearrange the furniture for amusement. I have the weird, weird and kind of nice coincidence that my downstairs neighbors who play music way too loud have my exact same musical taste. Oh, how nice. So it's very rare that that would happen. Yes. But I'll hear music and I'll start to get mad like because, you know, my silence is taken or whatever. But then I'll be like, oh, that's a good song though. You know, <laughs> it's kind of good. I hope to never meet them, but we're, we're bonded in taste, I guess. Well... I'm glad to hear it. And that's kind of connects to the topic of our episode today. That is your experience in the body connects mm -hmm. to our episode. So today we're focusing on the body and its desires and how they change in these quarantine times. It has, I don't know, I've just noticed my relationship to the body changing as, as we're inside more. And I think that that's like something that has carried through it. I think when this first started to happen, I was like instantly remembering times when we talked about the Decameron and we've talked about like medieval things in the plague and the body and how people related to that. Several times. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a theme that we have. And then, you know, the fact that we talk a lot about how the phone makes us feel disembodied and yet it's like this extension of our bodies. So, yeah. So now that we're in these boxes in our, in our house boxes all the time, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's very strange and interesting how the body changes and our relationship to it changes. Um, not all of it bad, you know? There's been like, I feel really horrified and scared of being sick and, and scared of death and just very, very scared. And then I'll do these moments of like very simple enjoyment and erotic enjoyment, like just enjoying and celebrating the body for what it is. Because it's alive. I, I've had those experiences almost as much as I've had terror, which has been really cool and weird and, and mm -hmm. uh, lots of things that I just wanted to think about today or a little bit more. Yeah, my body feels, I think I'm alternating between feeling hyper depressed and also really horny. Mm -hmm. So those are the three primary states that I find myself in. Yeah. Hyper, oh, hyper comma depressed and horny. I thought you meant hyper de hyper depressed. No, yeah, yeah. I just, um, yeah, I think hyper depressed is not quite how I describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I looked up this this uh, plague stuff, and uh, you're right on track with the way the, <laughs> the medievals were feeling. That's pretty yeah. much pretty much what they report from what I just read. Well, I think it's interesting that. In the plague years, apparently the total number of sexual crimes in Venice remained the same as before, even though right. they lost one third of the city's population. Mm. So I found that interesting information supporting my hypersexuality feeling. Right. And then there was a lot of fucking in graveyards on um, prostitutes doing most of the fucking in graveyards. By the way, something else I found. I've made out in a graveyard before. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Somebody was asking me that. I told them that fact, and I, and they said, "Oh, would you do that?" And I think, well, this whole thing has made me reconsider my whole goth persona. 
Um, now that I was like, when they asked me that, I was like, no, oh my God, like, no, that's not a joke anymore. Like it's horrifying, but I don't know. Maybe I would now. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh yeah. No, I've done that several times. You have. When I was a teenager living in Israel. Yes, definitely. I, for some reason, the Why? cemetery was this one place where you could get away and, um, mm. yeah, make out. So, um, oddly with it's, a, it was an old cemetery, like a really old one. Mm. Maybe it was medieval. Yeah. But yeah, I was both titillated and also terrified. Yeah. I think that's sort of what happens now. I think why people are so feeling erotic. Yeah, this comment, that line between, you know, mortality and vitality and how they're, they're so deeply, they're, they're entwined, you know, and, and uh, body, body fear and body desire and connection. I think they're really related. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just experiencing it. We're kind of experiencing ourselves on a deeper level than we usually do. Oh, yeah, and also, I mean, I guess there's death and then there's procreation and sexual, right. just like the heteronormative intercourse connects to yeah. procreation. So it's like life affirming. Maybe it's some, some genetic thing where because we're feeling worried about our survival, then some other thing jumps jumps awake and says, okay, well then procreate and make another person. Also, it's just really fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think you kind of just want, and it's really pleasurable. So it also yeah. makes sense that you want to have as much pleasure before you pass yeah. on to the next place. Right. Yeah, so many reasons why. Right. I feel lucky. I feel lucky to be continuing to be alive and um, in some ways to have time, to have the privilege to have time slow down for me, even though it's diff really difficult. It's nice to see things happen slowly, to see plants grow slowly. Um, even aging a little bit to just be like, oh, interesting. Like, what is this hand? What is this? You know, it's, mm. it's getting interesting. But I mean, it's I'm ready. I'm ready to go outside. <laughs> but yeah, while we're here. Okay, so let's uh, let's discuss. We have some points we wanted to discuss. Actually, should we broach the camera in a little bit and read from it? Yeah, please. We're hoping to have an episode of of reading reading from various literatures for you. Yeah, so let's um, let's just read a couple of. We just wanted to read some body quotes, essentially, and I'm going to start with a few quotes from Decameron. So what's interesting about Decameron by Boccaccio is that so many stories um, center around female lust. So the first one I'm going to read describes exactly that. Isabetta was then set at liberty, and she and the abbess returned to their beds, the latter with the priest and the former with her lover. She thenceforth arranged for him to visit her at frequent intervals, undeterred by the envy of those of her fellow nuns without lovers, who consoled themselves in secret as best they could. Mm, the mystery. And what are they doing in secret best they could? They probably are maybe using their hands and other objects. They probably had some sort of um, wooden vibrator. Wait, can you have a vibrator? You can, I don't think so. Candles. Can, candles, something. Yeah, what, would, what, what, did they have a vibrator in the Middle Ages? Maybe. No, don't, you don't have electricity. What are you going to do? No, but maybe you can go somewhere where there, maybe above, say, um, a mill, you know, <laughs> and there's a, and things are shaking a little bit. So you just find some sort of architectural appendage that you get close to. Maybe you, I suppose. Did, I suppose. did things really shake that at that free at the I right? I think frequency? at the mill, you know, when there's a big wheel <laughs> moving, yeah. you know, there's water moving and and it's breaking up the grain, and so yeah. there's a, there's probably a kind of shaking happening. I mean, th that I would say that this was the mechanics of the... Yeah, breaking up grain sounds promising. Like if it's if yeah. it's moving enough to break up grain, then we can, you know, break up. Break yeah, up and, and I feel like maybe that was one of the only places that you could also maybe where they printed... I mean, they did have a few factories, right? The, the, the printing press was already <laughs> operational. Like maybe that would be where they were printing money objects. somehow... In the attic of the money <laughs> printing house, <laughs> there's also um, oh obviously the vibrator of Benjamin Franklin's attic had is to be architectural, like yes, place mm -hmm. to get off because of all the printing going on. <laughs> totally, exactly, yeah. But of course, it wouldn't be like a handheld device; it would be an architectural object, you know, that would be attached to the house, and you would have to kind of encounter it. You, yeah, you're basically going to be fucking your house, like. basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. 
you're shaking house. This is your plan. Okay. Um, I mean, I really want to know, and this I noticed this from from the Decameron and also from um, Canterbury Tales, which they feel like cousins, right? Um, of of dirty stories of your. Um, oh, we should describe actually, in case you don't know, Decameron happens during plague years, and um, it's a group of people hiding from the plague, telling each other amusing stories. Yeah. So right. To keep to keep your spirits up. Exactly, yes. And a lot of them, kind of like the Aubrey Plaza movie that came out, a lot of them are with monks and nuns, which which was like a really big deal to people at this time to tell stories about monks and nuns fucking each other. Maybe to kind of get at this place of like, what is meaning? What is life? What is death? What is God? You know, let's make monks and nuns fuck each other. Mm-hmm. Or monks and nuns were just really famous for fucking all the time and kind of breaking the rules. I don't know. Yeah, they they kind of have a rebellious right. um rebellious streak as well. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, a queer genealogy as well, I got to say, you know. Mm-hmm. But who knows. Sure. In the Canterbury Tales there was a lot. There was I just I recently watched the Zeffirelli version cuz and, and tell us about the Canterbury Tales in case. Well, the Canterbury Tales was written by Chaucer in when oh dear, the 12s. It was the first British uh, I'm probably wrong, but it was the first British piece of writing ever written in English, right? Uh, English majors. And yeah, it's really similar, I think, to the Decameron. It's about all of these people that are going on a pilgrimage and traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, how each of them is not necessarily what they seem to be. And it's really, I think it was written in the same kind of culture of just like fun body tales. and. It's kind of like the podcast of your. It really was. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. yeah. Serialized as well. Episodic. Quite similar. Yeah. And what's great about it and the Decameron is it's like it shows you private history, you know, maybe in an exaggerated kind of pulpy way, but it shows you what it was really like. So when we were doing this research, I was like researching some stuff about, you know, popular culture in during plague times. And as I was looking at the website, this like historical website, they were quoting the Decameron. The so mm-hmm. some of the only stuff that we know about history is from these books, you know, mm. which have a lot of good historical detail, but also are written as stories. But yeah, the Canterbury Tales is a lot about religion and a lot about what's right and wrong and sex and ethics and power in the Middle Ages. I mean, it's kind of scary. Some people really get in trouble and get, you know, burned at the stake and there's gay people and straight people. And But the moral kind of culture of, I think Chaucer was representing, was was pretty populist and generous. And I don't get the sense that Chaucer was feeling really rude about what the common man was doing he was really like thinking about power and criticizing people who are misusing their power in general but i don't know i have to keep watching it it was like three hours so you're watching a movie okay i got a criterion collection subscription and just like as a present to myself during this time and it has been really really nice and i will advertise for them right now and that was like one of the first things i watched because of this kind of stuff but yeah, I just like what's great about that stuff, you know, is you can just pause it and then watch something else for a while and then come back to it. So Canterbury Tales, like the Decameron, was like the way that it's a popular history. So it's a way of looking at popular history through literature. And in the Canterbury Tales, kind of similar to the Decameron, there was like a lot of sex and politics. And I was looking for the plague in it, but I couldn't I didn't find much plague as opposed to the Decameron. But yeah, similar stuff about hiding and sexuality. I'm curious because it did feel like this, like contemporary to plague, but it wasn't. So I don't know. Maybe the Canterbury Tales. <laughs> it's not. It's a different period. So yeah, the Ch- Canterbury Tales was was influenced by, deeply influenced by the Decameron. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. So he wrote it. Yeah, he read the Decameron and then said, "I'm going to write a British version." So we've all been hearing about the scarcity of equipment that medical professionals are experiencing. Yeah, it's terrible. It is terrible. Did you hear about the interesting fact about the medical fetish site donating the entire stock of scrubs <laughs> to the health efforts to combat COVID-19? Wait, okay, so what are they? Okay, so they're a medical fetish company. 
in the UK. What does that mean? So that means it's for people that like to have sex and their fantasy is a medical fantasy, basically. You know, it's like maybe nurses, surgeons, fucking... It's a place that you go to? It's a company that provides objects, um, the outfits. accoutrement outfits for people um, that are interested in this kind of role play. I see, I see. And apparently there's a enough demand for there to be a company that produces, which is interesting because, well, I guess I, I imagine it's, they have a slightly different, actually, why don't we Google it and see what do they have in their stock, actually, mm-hmm. because why can't we just use proper medical equipment, but they have the kinky version, basically. I, I wonder how different it is. And that's what I'm curious as well. Yeah, I mean, there's like rubber gloves, which all seem, you know, fine and fine to cautery pen maybe are they yeah i mean it just all seems identical really it's hard to yeah. tell well i mean why. that's why it's a fetish because you don't want it to seem too jokey you know but you don't but why then not get it from the proper place or maybe it's safer like blades are safe or something like that oh yeah soft blades yeah that's that's probably true yeah like soft blades or maybe or something like that is the website called soft blades <laughs> seems good no no they're just it's all real you know what i think it is i think it's just that they are resellers so they're a mm-hmm. place where you can buy a lot of it mm-hmm. and they're specific but yeah so they had a stock and they donated it to the nhs which is good of them yeah i would feel guilty if i was them like sitting on all this like you know sex medical equipment and when when people are running out of not sex medical equipment, I think that's yeah. the right thing to do. It's nice to see in in New York. There's a lot of people donating things, and different countries and different states donating materials. So that's like a really nice thing to see how like the but poor kink people that are missing yeah. their scrubs. I think it's a little annoying that the government doesn't have enough equipment that. People have to forfeit their pleasure. I wonder how they're feeling, right? Like we're all in a health emergency and you have a health kink. Like, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty ghoulish question, I think. Uh, But yeah, I'm wondering what's going on with that. I I imagine that they're enjoying some of this strange tension between, you know, horror and fear and more, you know, fear of death and mortality or experience of some, some of that stuff. And then like a redemption through, you know, the sexual imagination. I imagine they're doing some of the same stuff. In fact, I bet they're really good at this exact kind of, you know, dynamic. (laughs) I wonder. Yeah. I hope we're not coming across as As crass. I know. We're on a line. We're on a line. We're on a line. I very much respect that fetish. Yeah. As much as any other fetish. Sure. But if it brings you pleasure. Yeah. Not to mention nurses and doctors, for sure. Oh, yes. I Sure. Yeah. The weird thing is that I assumed, just for myself personally, that when I became so freaked out, I would like, there would be something where like sexuality would, would go away or it would take a vaccine, mm. you know, while the survival was being managed or concerned about. Yes. But that didn't happen. And I was, I'm just shocked by that. So I, I'm curious about that as a phenomenon in general. Yeah. I think you're not the only one that feels that way because the other interesting piece of information that I came across is that apparently condoms of, of the world are running low in supply, which mm-hmm. could in part, and again, this is heteronormative. Well, actually, not necessarily, because I forgot that there's also, of course, queer men often use condoms. It's hard to talk about issues of sexuality without mm-hmm. trying to take a position that is in some way insensitive. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but the condoms are running out. But this actually just occurred to me that it could be both to the fact that people are extra sexually active, but also factories, so many factories have stopped production because of um, corona as well. So uh, the supply is not getting replenished. Right. Um, and then, of course, people can't get creative and use other things like, I don't know, fingers of the gloves, for instance, because the gloves right. are also necessary for the combating of said disease. Right. Yeah, it's very confusing. Well, I mean, in as part of this is the fact that, you know, if most of the people, like if you're shacked up with them, if you're quarantined with them, I don't know what everybody's deal is, but, you know, there's less of a chance, I'm making assumptions, but mm. that that would be a part, a more partnered situation where like oh, yeah. people are wearing the you know, condoms more likely, you know, when they're dating or when they're in the beginning phases of relationships. You Good know? point, yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? But like, 
that makes more sense. So it's like a, a bit, a bit tragic for people, you know, trying one another on. It's obviously it's like a lot more difficult to do that. Uh, it's impossible to do that under quarantine and frustrating unless you're in Zoom, which I hear people are like having Zoom first dates. But oh, I can't go there. Yeah, yes, you know, I've been contemplating, but that just seems so yeah prophylactic the prophylactic of the internet <laughs> true yeah you're taking a prophylactic it, it's true you sort of having a hygienic meeting before you you can eventually decide to plunge but it's interesting how I, I try to do brisk swiping sessions every now and then just you know to keep to remind myself that there are other like humans out there yeah. um, through tinder and it's interesting how many greetings have taken on the you know, they're just so pandemic specific and people ask you how you're handling the quarantine. It's so medicinal. It just all feels very extra caring in a way because we're all sharing. From yeah. a very like cruel-ish <laughs> app. Yeah. True, true. Um, and I think also, I didn't know this, but all of a sudden I started seeing people from all over the world. And I think my radius of my search is set to um, a fairly small distance of a couple of few miles and it turns out that tinder has tried to you know come towards the suffering masses by allowing them what's what's called a passport function this english gentleman explained it to me so now even though you don't have a paid subscription which is something you can have in tinder which allows you to like go into different places so now Mm -hmm. they've made that free so now you can be in la but like you could be looking for your love in London or Athens or Paris or Taipei, like anywhere. And so people are really doing that. And it kind of just, it's been a really interesting parade of all kinds of people and wants and desires. You know, they're so geographically different, I have to say. What has been uh, some interesting highlights that you've noticed? <laughs> There's not. Um, I mean, I can't really notice consistency because also it's been so rich geographically. It's really been, there's just this one comment that stands out. I've I updated my photograph on Tinder to reflect the current moment. And so I have this picture of myself with one of my sculptures, which is um, this bread hand. And I matched with someone, it was this English man and I, you know, I asked him how he ended up in my matches at all, because that's before I've learned about the passport function. And he explained it to me. And then I asked him how his search was going, you know, his international hunt. And he told me that I was actually the first match and he'd never met a woman with three hands before. So it's <laughs> pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. Yes, yeah, so I was glad to provide that to him. And also it just seemed disturbingly medical, uh, which is appropriate for our hour. So did you did you date him? <laughs> No, I unmatched him. Oh, man. You're so cruel. It's too far. Yeah, and desire has nowhere to go. Yeah. Unless you're a panda. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, <laughs> did everyone hear about two pandas who finally did it? They banged. <laughs> Those two pandas. The way you're saying it really slow makes it sound so tawdry. <laughs> it's it's, it is tawdry. They were, they banged after 10 years. They what? 10 years. 10 years it took them. So, so these pandas, they were um, encouraged to fornicate for years, for 10 years, the zookeepers. Mm. They tried to make it happen, but they just wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And um, this is happening in Hong Kong. This just happened, breaking news. So these 14-year-old pandas would not bang. And now that the world has closed and humans have, you know, hidden themselves. Yeah, but not their eyes from the sexual habits of the poor pandas. You're so right. They're surveilling them. The pandas don't know, but they're so being many taken more pictures eyes, of. Probably. <gasps> right. So many idle more. Eyes. Oh, idle eyes. And it's like, and the photo, of course, is so revealing. It just, oh, it's a panda from behind the panda. It's a, gosh, what is that position called? I forgot. It's a doggy style. It's, yeah, so well, now it's panda style. But panda style as well. So mm-hmm. we can rename it's doggy style, but it's like once every 10 years. <laughs> Which explains a couple of my relationships. Hey! They look so cute. They look these very furry pandas. They were caught mid-intercourse on camera. And yeah, so people left and they, you know, they started flirting. They were like leaving scent all over the place. And then. Wait, what did, wait how did they flirt? They were leaving scent markings oh. around. Yeah, that's why you can't date on Zoom because exactly. you, can't, you can't leave scent. Word. Cannot leave scent, yeah. 
How do you usually leave scent? <laughs> no. <laughs> you I shed it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, Somehow, yes. Know? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I just imagine myself as a snail, which I think we've talked oh, about before. Sure. I, you know, I leave a trail um, of scent and I hope it's picked up by others as I exit the room really slowly with, you know. I cannot wait for you to leave your room again and leave some scent out there. <laughs> I hope it is. It is my hope for you. Collected by another, my scent. That's so gross. It's getting grosser. For sure it will be. For sure it will be. <laughs> Oh, it's it's delicious though the scent. Okay, so they so they banged and then were they awkward after or did they want to take it back or was it like they texted their ex kind of thing and then they were like, oh well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. What? Oh gosh, I hope not. I hope they were happy afterwards. But of course, it being a human story, they don't tell us anything. Mm -hmm. They just they're like they banged. Like there's happier ever after, but do we know? Right. We don't really know. Yeah, nor do we know really what the whole yeah what the whole was we don't know. the regret. Um. Yeah, humans need to calm down about animals doing stuff. Yeah, but even we get so excited. Look, like we just reported about it. Good point. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Um. Well. Yeah. I'm gonna live in that in that uh, contradiction because it is true. I do adore them, but I do think we should leave them alone. I don't know. Yeah, it's a contradiction. Yeah, the trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think we're the bad guys in general in terms of animals um but i do think we need them or something like i don't know we've talked about this at, at length um pretty well one time one or two times before but it's like we want to keep our innocence so we are obsessed with them but we also manipulate them which is like mm -hmm. us showing that we have lost our innocence you know this like domination of them yeah but yeah the voyeur animal voyeurism bugs me but i have i've done it before as i've told you before um yeah i voyeured some uh raccoons fucking one time it was pretty cool i do really like watching animals but yeah i mean in some sense because i live alone mm. all i can do is just experience my body so i have internal news and then i voyeur i look at the palms outside i look at the screen Wait, you said you have internal news internal news I mean, there's small, you know, I'm like, oh, I ate a pineapple or I started my period. So like, you know, things uh, coming in and things going out. You I know, thought you just, meant like your thoughts are your internal news. Oh, that's also, yeah, the news bulletin. Yeah, but that's, yeah, there's three categories as I mentioned earlier. Me too, yeah. Similar topic to that is I notice I have five, of, I was talking about this with somebody else too. Like I have five emotions every day and they'll come in different like combinations or they'll come really fast all at once or mm -hmm. and it's totally different than my life pre-quarantine pre-super anxiety and mm -hmm. it's really interesting and time of day affects them greatly one of the things that I heard do you feel this is also true mm. yeah you kind of you said you had three yeah yeah three main ones yeah. I heard a really nice uh, Buddhist podcast last night and he talked about just making room for yourself to have all these different, you know, I'm going to call them guests, but like, mm -hmm. you know, or pieces of news that arrive emotionally and becoming aware of how that feels in your body so that when you feel it, it isn't a surprise. Mm. So he talked about slowing down and getting really in contact with the experience of the different emotions and maybe naming what they are and then knowing what the physicality is. And then, of course, like going into something that calms you down mm. every day and like doubling down on those processes. And yeah, he talked about titration. Um, so it's like controlling, controlling how much media that comes in, controlling how, you know, only giving it to yourself, only reading it when you are ready, when you feel okay, knowing that some days you're going to have shitty, shitty days and some days you're going to feel better. It's true. But like, to be at sea, you know, lost, you know, kind of just bobbing up and down on this like anxiety sea. We can kind of care for ourselves. So that that was very heartening to some extent. Mm. Yeah. I noticed that the um, motorcycle racing that goes on when it heats up in New York has really not slowed in any way. Okay. Well, outside. I'm glad that they're still able to continue. Although I'm not sure if they're being properly distant. I mean, are they showering us in the virus oh wait they're wearing helmets it's possible they that they're helmets. not yeah yeah 
Maybe mm-hmm. it's safe. And like big suits. Yeah. yeah, it's basically a Tyvek suit going yeah. 60 miles. Okay. Maybe that's yeah. okay. Well, then I'm happy for them that at least they don't have a disruption in their pleasure. Yeah. Maybe they continue to enjoy. Yeah, New York explodes with, with such wonderful excitement when it gets warmer, you know, and it feels so sad for people that they can't the ones that are properly, you know, obeying quarantine are, you know, they can't enjoy that, you know. So anybody who can get on their bike and go really fast, I guess I support this time. Mm. Soon enough, I will return. Return. Um, Yeah. Apparently, Kwok is a big motorcycler, too, he said the other day. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I can't, I can't get on my motorcycle. I can't stand it. I'm just like, what? What weird stereotypes do we, are we experiencing, Mr. Governor? anyway wait what is what is your governor your governor kind of seems like he does stuff too is he a sailor he seems no idea i don't really pay attention no he's just a rich guy i bet he's a runner anyway the action see because i don't haven't left my house in so long like this whole act like idea of activity and moving around at all like it's just like a mystery to me when people talk about they went running or they're like riding their their bike i'm just like oh remember what it looks like i've not seen a person in real life doing any of those activities in three weeks that's crazy i know i think we can all unite in that strange in the strangeness of that experience yeah i wonder if i should go and just look out the front door and just see people doing activities would that be helpful i don't think so i think it is i heard that it was helpful to see people relate actually i heard that watching porn is good because you see people touching, and if you live alone, you are just, um, yeah, you're, like, really, apparently, even seeing people touching somehow, like, mm-hmm. brings that... Oxytocin. Somehow oxytocin or something, yeah, to the brain. Mm-hmm. So sure. it's, it's helpful. Because of our mirror neurons. Yeah. yeah. But I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be porn. It can just be films where people yeah. hug and caress each other. And are, there, are there such hugging films? I'd like to see them. I have not prepared a collection, but I'm sure that... Um, they can happen. They exist out there. Huggy films? Yeah. Or you could watch Teletubbies. I think they jump oh. on each other and bounce off. No? No, that makes my tummy hurt. It's not very sexy, but yeah. Well, some people are into it, actually. There is a, I think, a, I think I'm pretty sure there's a fetish centers that centers on Teletubbies. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's judgmental. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I just, it's not my, not my bag. Did you know how far our listeners are? I don't know what I am anymore. I thought I was like goth or sadomasochist. I don't know what I thought, but now I don't know. I'm just too freaked out by dark the darkness. But there is a thing that you can do where you where you put your hand on your heart and you can put your hand on the back of your neck and breathe in really deeply. And that is a good uh, oxytocin therapy that you can do where it calms. It can really give you a sense of connection to yourself and, and like the care of another person. So if you're mm. having a quarantine by yourself and you want to do a little meditation that I've done it before, it's actually really nice. And you can imagine as you're breathing somebody really that's been really comforting to you or like it is, I don't know, angel, angelic figure of some sort um, or your own energy being really comforting. But yeah, it, it really works. It gives you this sense of touch, even though it's your own hand something about that area of the body yeah i'm doing it right now it's rather comforting oh nice i hope um you can replay that part dear listeners and do it yeah as jenny describes it yeah on the heart on the back of your neck that's right sounds good well i think what i'm in this time i really also find that sometimes rechanneling my thinking towards something that i look forward to is helpful and what I look forward to is um, being in a really crowded place, um, like a bar or a club or a concert where there's lots, there's music and it's loud and it feels like a giant heaving body. Mm. You know, you're like in a sea of people. And yeah, I I was imagining that and I think it would be really nice to experience it again. I mean, I hope we're able to experience it again. But I reached out to a friend um, in Berlin who's been active in the music scene there um, to talk about it a little bit. So um, Daniela Zeitz will be joining us in just a minute. 
welcome to Centered Subject, Daniela. Hello. Hi. 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 So Daniela Seitz is joining us today. Um, excited to have her. Daniela is a co-founder of um, an artistic queer feminist experimental platform based in Berlin called Cream Cake. Cream Cake is focusing on music and intersection of art and technology, or maybe intersecting. Hmm. I myself have not experienced the cream cake as, as kind of a embodied experience, but my sense of it is is that it, it's a very much a physical experience, right? Tell me more about cream cake. Tell me what is the way that things happen. Yeah, I mean, a cream cake does different things, which have an embodied experience. So we started to run regular parties in 2011 um, with like a specific sound you could describe as deconstructed club music or artists who are using like a lot of technology and media into into the art making processes so that's why it expanded also from not only being music but then also uh, interf- interfacing with like a lot of other uh, genres and, and um, disciplines like visual arts and then digital culture and always looking at it on some sort of like le- like level of highlighting uh, artists and practitioners with like a, um, like a hidden voices or voices you don't would not necessarily follow and always connect our topics on like a queer feminist lens. Mm-hmm. So we have we started with this party, then we have a festival called 3HD, and we organize exhibitions, workshops, um, performances, uh, all kinds of things. So the physical space is much needed. We work with like clubs, theater, galleries, and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But then we also have outdoor projects. So, But then it's also physical. Uh, we started in 2015. We had like our first festival, and... We called it also like a, some sort of like media platform mm-hmm. um, under this umbrella, the umbrella of sound in the world of that. It was like much more like uh, consumer logic. And then we started to produce online content as well. So last year we had a publication, Embedded Narrative, where we also had, we always have online content as well. So I don't, and we are always like in the now. So for me, taking away the, embodied experience or for me as like a now curator does not feel so scary at the moment we always used to be like working very flexible you know and Mm -hmm. and and very like what's like what's happening in society and then offer an alternative or offer something to kind of uh, grasp or to find the community so like at this point um yeah I mean, it is a physical experience, definitely, but it's not only that. I mean, m- most of the time when I'm working, uh, I'm not working in the <laughs> in it. So yeah. and then there's the event, you know, and then you have that experience. And then, yeah, I mean, and then people really, yeah, they dance and they 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 meet uh, and see a specific you know, community and um that's that's really nice and that is definitely connected to a space well do you have anything planned for the near future that that corona sort of interfered with we didn't have anything announced so we didn't have to cancel anything officially we had like one show in april uh, may and then then like a smaller smaller thing in the beginning of june and the April one got cancelled. I mean, we asked the clubs before if it, um, if they will, if what we're gonna do, because it kind of got like more, more insane. Um, they did not respond, and then the government decided that everything will be closed from the uh, 13th of March on until the 20th of April. So then the clubs also took that rule, you know. Yeah, but there's some people doing things through Zoom and kind of trying to parlay that Mm -hmm. way of joining together through the video interface Mm -hmm. have you have you taken part in any of this or just not as cream as part of the platform but maybe yourself as well i mean i watch lots of stuff i mean i must say that there's like different stages on like where i see myself uh changing you know by Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, a little bit more like um, very uncertain and not knowing how to be productive and not really being able to to see in the future how this will, you know, become and what you would like to see in terms of online like projects and concerts and digital like exhibitions and stuff. And 
Um, so I was not really participating until like maybe two weeks. I think it, then I kind of was in a different phase where I was like actually really enjoying seeing stuff. Um, mm. But then somehow I was also a little bit annoyed because it kind of created this noise and this overproductivity and everyone was either posting about Corona or they went live, you know, so mm. I kind of was like a little bit <laughs> I mean, now I'm in a different phase that I have been watching stuff where I actually really enjoy. By watching, do you mean you watch things that happen elsewhere or do you participate in them? I was not really participating. I mean, there was like a disappointment. I was like thinking, oh, seven, oh, Shake is going to go be live on Instagram. And I was ready to talk to her <laughs> because she was like, I'm going to talk to my fans and I will uh, premiere the video. But then it turned out it was like a YouTube video premiere from a live show she did. Mm. And I, I kind of, the day before I already watched Young Lean performing in a truck live. And then this was like an amazing Thursday evening. Mm. And so um, and I was like, oh, seven or shake is doing this. And then I was like, ah, now I'm going to finally meet her. But then this didn't happen. But I mean, my friends do club uh, quarantine. I always say quarantine. 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 <laughs> um, which is like a queer party where you can zoom in. and. Oh, that is a good tip. I've, okay, we'll post it in the yeah. episode description. Yeah. I feel like we need, yeah. we need more of those tips. And, you, and your sister? Yeah. She, she participated yesterday, though, so they got ready in their house, and they asked me if I also want to join, so we started, like, at, at 12, but then I was, like, too tired, because I'm doing the renovation now, so I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. barely, but, yeah, this is, like, a nice, I find it quite entertaining what I see so far, so. But also going, has, joining in without leaving your house is so interesting how we just do that now. yeah. I mean, I like to watch more the, I like the Erica Badu Acopalypse, like one, and I, I think today is two, oh. where she's performing in her house. The first one, the fans were choosing the songs she performed, and this time the fans choose the room she performs. Mm. Uh, it is kind of like you're, you're involved, but then not like, you know, you're not being with the, in, this, in, the, in the screen or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but you're participating, but then in your house. I mean, that's what you meant by participating. Or do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think both. I think I, I think I'm just curious about all the experiences that people are having. You know what? You know we're kind of developing this new way of relating, a new way of watching performance and maybe performing as well. Yeah. Um. So it does seem like with this new way of you know. It's a little, it's kind of interactive in that sense, you know, where, because, you know, when I, what I notice, what I keep noticing is when I joined these parties, you know, I went to a birthday party the other day and, mm -hmm. or yesterday I had a discussion group, you know, it's always, you know, it's, it's my friends or the group, but then you also see yourself. So it's also kind of like you're performing and you're watching others, you're watching yourself, you know, th mm -hmm. these, these different aspects, um, but then you're also sort of chatting with people you know so there's like so many different ways in in which you're communicating like normally if i was seeing you in person i probably wouldn't be texting you but you know if this mm -hmm. if this happens since you know in the kind of video zoom interface so yeah i just it, it seems like things things also get really confusing i find like like you mentioned you know sometimes you hear something and you think oh it's going to be on instagram live and then it's on youtube it's just like this kind of not knowing which which of these places it's, things are happening and yeah I think it's still quite interesting. Yeah, they, they said when they were like participating in the club quarantine yesterday that it was very comforting and sometimes you were being on the screen so other people saw you too and then mm. but then they did this very elegant like just for a few seconds or you know and because they kind of catch people where they maybe not dance or not like being like super active you know but very like. Um, friendly and safe that's what uh, what they said and I, but I didn't I didn't participate yet but it looks fine and I mean yeah I don't know it's a, it's all it's what you say it's definitely what how you would like to have it I mean if you would be confident in dancing in front of a screen for in front of other people and yeah uh, but I think it's an experience and I think they had a good time I should try out next next one I think it's it's a little bit yeah, I mean it's there in in, um, in Canada, so the time difference <laughs> is quite 
that's quite bad. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Those things are funny, right? When you go somewhere to a party, uh, my friend had a birthday in London, so that was evening, you know, and, ah. then, and then, you know, it was like morning for me, and I just felt felt funny. This different light. But that's the first time you were able to participate like this, right? Um, yeah, yeah, of course, I normally wouldn't have gone to my friend's birthday party in London. So this definitely was a first. I guess it does blur the physical boundaries, truly, in this kind of, I, I guess, idealistic internet way. I think this is the first time that things are actually happening in the way that Well, no, not the first time I'm making a journalization. But you know what I mean? I feel like things are, you know, we're really kind of breaking some sort of boundary by joining in cross-continentally. Because we could have done that before, yeah. you know? We could have done that before. Like, it's not like we didn't have the technology. Yeah, I mean, we could have done it before. I think, like, the idea of using the inter like internet and um, the four, like, digital formats, I mean, there's, like, museums who have done that. Mm -hmm. uh, but then and also other platforms and in, in streaming like you know boiler room and yeah um, they have but it's like a more of an class like they're kind of become more classic in a way also from yeah. the aesthetics because it doesn't have that DIY uh, DIY space yet yeah. but then also I mean there has have been like digital exhibitions and stuff like this but then yeah. Now, but maybe not in private life, yeah. But then, yeah, but now it becomes more, yeah, democratic again in the sense of that everyone is now, like, producing something and kind of being there, you know, because there's nothing mm -hmm. else to do in the evening. So it becomes more valid. Even though if I look, I mean, there's this other streaming platform, which is a little bit more commercial. It's from, like, Club Commission, which is, like, a uh, some sort of organization for protecting, like, the Berlin club scene or mm -hmm. German club scene also in that art concerts is like artists like this tv channel and they are streaming programming in the different clubs um over the um over germany and they have the live sets in the club and you can watch this on tv and on youtube and so forth and i mean this, they have like a huge uh reach right like it's uh, television and but then you see it's like 1000 or 2000 people tuning in so it's like i think from the people who are using the offers it's it's quite interesting to see the numbers you know because i think it's still quite a lot for mm -hmm. um you know being that in that moment but you would say that you you would think it's gonna it would be, be more people watching this right but they also have everyone also i think is now overwhelmed again for the same reason that everyone is at home and Everyone is producing something and making something, so there's just the choice of what to join in is also kind of staggeringly enormous right now. I find that a little overwhelming. But do you think it's important to? I mean, I think this like producing, like overproducing, and this noise. I think it's also a little bit, you know, too much. And somehow I would prefer it if people would kind of be a little bit more like. You know, look into introspective, like more the, the silence or the you know the way of not doing something. Like because there has been like events, like event after event in IRL, you know, structures are also you know you had to you had to mm -hmm. um, like in Berlin at least you had to attend like all these amazing events if you work in this uh, and it was like overproduced uh, scene anyhow. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was like, oh, this is gonna be interesting because everything <laughs> will be slowed down, you mm -hmm. know, and getting a new measurement. Uh, <laughs> uh, but now I see the same speed <laughs> and the same, mm -hmm. uh, more less curated. I think that's a quite mm. nice thing to do also for us, you know, like kind of bring all these contents together in some sort of like new platform, mm -hmm. um, what, what, what people do because it's like so like much. But then some, somehow I'm like, hmm, it's maybe not important to be like so productive and to so uh you know produce 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 because that's what we before it's really for free you know like now there's no like the money monetary way of all these kind of uh, offers and things have not been discussed at all i mean yeah some there's like a paypal like <laughs> somewhere here and there i have yeah. this one artist like artist friend it's sibel cavalli bastos and they are also sharing paypal accounts from artists on their instagram so i think mm -hmm. a lot of, they have a lot of followers mm -hmm. and they always deal with like this redistribution of resources and and uh how you can actually make money on instagram or youtube when you produce digital art and so yeah but they do is like yeah us talking to our 
who really need the money or, you know, kind of make them understand that it's important to ask if you are in danger or in some sort of like, you know, existential, you know, circle going to not, not like being able to pay your rent and stuff like this. So yeah, and it's, it's interesting because they had all these PayPal accounts and, and then obviously I'm like, hmm, is someone able to, like who is paying or who's able to contribute, you know, who has money yeah. in a specific art circle or, yeah. but then maybe, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the, the action is that these papers are floating around and somehow finding a new way of, of creating some sort of money for, for the crisis. Yeah. There's something, yeah. the way you described that this PayPal floating around, it sounds both kind of, precarious but also kind of beautiful that you know hopefully someone will catch on you know that they that that paypal url will cross just the right pair of eyes that will have the money at the moment yeah. and give but it is such a we don't know the uncertainty is so uncertain i'm kind of i'm, I'm always like not sure if how people use that yeah i feel like there's just so many things where unsure of it's definitely one of those moments where like uncertainty is the only certain <laughs> certain condition at the moment yeah right yeah and it will take a long time i mean i was just asking my friend for the first time because i was like maybe i have to prepare this if you ask me what i think about the clubs in the future yes and then i was, I was going like, to ask you yes <laughs> <laughs> Because this is, and then I was like, this is so interesting because we are, I mean, we write now like project applications and for 3HD, the festival is in November. So we have a little bit more time and we can also prepare like now online, you know, and yeah. uh, look into like, uh, like these two offline online where we always have had that. So, but yeah, and then I was like, hmm, I don't think that they will, that the clubs sound so sad that they will be opening up in the, in May or in June, because mm. I mean, it's like. Yeah. People are going to gather. And I mean, I think they will work with these apps uh, where everyone is registered, you know, that mm -hmm. you can see track who has had it or, you yes. know, who has it or like this kind of really surveillance. Of, yeah, bio-surveillance. Like, yes. This is yeah, interesting. Which is somehow then, but then because I don't know any other way, I think you could in the theater, especially you could make one seat empty and then another person seat. So it's like 50% of the normal audience will join, you know, so you can keep the distance. Or I think in the museum, you can also kind of make interesting path for walking. So people are going to follow some, some sort of like amp, mm -hmm. <laughs> amp light system. So they don't oh, yeah. connect or cross, you know, I think that there you can easily navigate it. But in the club, I think, or in like gallery openings, you know, the packed, they're also always like kind of packed. It's club is definitely a very challenging um, mm -hmm. infrastructure to, to think of. Maybe outfits, maybe like really large crinoline skirts or like the, you know, the Bauhaus style. Yeah, to highlight, to highlight that you had it or that you are currently having it. <laughs> I think either, yeah, you have to just manifest through your costume and also possibly the costume has to be large, you know, has like a physical presence so that maybe you don't get too close to each other, you know, mm -hmm. like an Oscar Schlemmer kind of situation. Yeah, I wonder if that, yeah, that's probably going to be some sort of like design to understand that there you should not go there but then you will then you have the stigma again and i find the stigma yes or maybe not because maybe mm. so many because so many people need to get it and i was like watching this one talk because they always say that the immunity herd immunity mm -hmm. is one uh, one possibility to get over the virus mm -hmm. but then it needs to be 70 percent and now we have reached only one percent oh my god <laughs> so really it's, it's just one well it's not gonna it's not gonna be an option no. so the second option would be like like make the virus go away by shutting down everyone like yeah. more like you know china yeah. uh, style now as as here you can kind of you know still go on a walk with a friend and stuff like this like, and and or wait for for the um what's it called impfstoff like injection to a vaccine vaccine yeah. yes it won't happen until spring maybe if we're lucky <laughs> yeah. yeah i think the 2000 2021 i meant yes <laughs> yes, yes yes totally yeah 
No, I know. I think I'm just being pessimistic for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't think it's going to happen in one year? I don't know. I keep yeah. going back and forth between feeling optimistic and thinking that, I mean, who knows? But I'm like, no, everyone's working on it. They'll do it even faster. And I'm like, they'll never figure it out. It'll just always oh, be at home. new estimation. I was oh. like, that's fine. That's believable to 2021. No, it's, yeah. I really thought... I thought like 2020 is fucked anyhow. Like that was really it's my <laughs> idea in the beginning. But then I kind of had a little bit more hope yeah, that right. we kind of gonna have a nice summer. Not not the ones we had before, like different ones. But now I feel like uh, that whole year is, is gonna be like a Corona year, and then 2021 we have the an option for maybe then older people and you know people more in risk to get this vaccine, and then. But yeah, until then. Well, until then, there's some know, things to. Do? Well, we have some things, some concepts to explore. For instance, um, you introduced me to this one great concept, which I've been enjoying. When you alerted me that the word Valentine rhymes with Quarantine, which is, I think, oh, the way yeah. you pronounce quarantine in German. Is that right? Quarantine, you would say. Yeah. And then Valentine. Valentine on talk. Ah. So it's Valentine. It's only the German and the English word match. Quarantine, Valentine. Yes. Yeah, so misleading. So. I, will, I will still have this. 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 Oh. Uh, well, the Corona romance. Do you think that's going to happen for quarantine? Corona romance. Quarantine, yeah. Valentine. I, I just since then, you know, since you brought that up, I've been um, I've become really fascinated by the concept, and I wonder. I keep asking people if they had any Valentines, and by Valentines, I mean you know just maybe people they've had crushes on, maybe other people that had crushes on them, their exes, you know, like has has the quarantine and this forced isolation has it made anyone like come forth as a Valentine? You know, to keep asking yeah. people. I've had some, a few, and, and not as many as I thought. Um, I haven't heard so many Valentine stories, but do, do you have any or have you had any Valentines reach out to you? Unfortunately, no. No crushes. No crushes. Not that we can okay, talk fine. about this publicly. Not but that we'll this know, yeah. The- we'll <laughs> see what happens, though. I mean, it's possible quarantine sounds like it's going to be long, so, you know, keep us updated. Keep me updated about Valentine's. <laughs> I have a kind of a buddy joke, and I was trying to sex with this person I hadn't met before, and um, the joke started off as, you know, what what would one do if one was not alone with another person? And so in abstract terms, we were discussing like what different body parts are doing. And so I wasn't really naming the body parts, but I was saying, you know, I said something like, oh, it would start at the top and then um, the lips would move down. And the person said, move down where? And I said, well, to the destination. And then he said, which is the destination? And I said, oh, the South Pole. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, you have a pole down there. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe you do. Maybe you, know, you don't. Like, maybe I do. Anyway, but, then, <laughs> but then, and then, he, yeah, it was just really funny. <laughs> because I was just trying to be, you know, poetic uh, somehow. I know. Because the South Pole is, you know, down below. But it is it. also But then pole. you said the word pole. That's a pun. <laughs> that was a pun. That was a. I like so that how was we just a sexting, <laughs> sexting gone awry right there. And after that, I collapsed into many giggles. <laughs> I like Couldn't. how distracted he got by the South Pole. He was just like, oh, what? <laughs> South Pole. Huh? There you he said explained pole. later. Oh. He thought, he basically thought I was going to say a cave or a cavern. And then I said oh, a pole. And geez. he was like, oh, that's really not what I expected. Oh, metaphors. So, yeah, meta- and I was like, we got a little lost in metaphors. I mean, there. who cares, right? Like one of the other metaphors is just like, you know, yeah. what either one will do. I can't <laughs> just like, all, use all the, the metaphors now. I mean, exactly. But I think also like a distance, it just all becomes so abstract. Like what is, you know, <laughs> they're a cave, a pole, <laughs> either a landscape, or a body, you know, either a couch. I know, it's just it's all weird. kind of blends together into these. <laughs> Plato's shadow cave. Yeah. Shadow 
of yeah. weird sex acts. Yes. Mm, so that's um, what I think. I, I challenge you to become more and more abstract and see where that goes. Like, you know, with the most basic partner, see how strange, see how far you can get someone like that to go with weird abstract sex. <laughs> Seems pretty good. You can also figure sure. out, figure out, you know, I don't know, existential questions or something. By accident. I like to keep it to geology. I think I think there's something about the body and the landscape that's um, yeah. that translates quite nicely and is larger than itself. So that's cool. Yes. Can you give examples of said geology? I mean, that's no, a very... No, I just did. I was trying to finish because we already talked for 50 minutes. So I was trying to end on the joke. <laughs> I'm just interested in what you're going to say because that sounds um, good. No, that was... The mountains or the small mountains? The mountains, sure. The mounds, the mountains, the... Deluxe. Exactly. I think you have more of a, more ideas than I do right now. <laughs> Cute. Cool. Okay, guys. Well, we're trying to hold on to our bodies, um, yeah. keep the bodies entertained, and wishing the same for you. Yeah. Send us notes. Let us know how you're doing. If you are so inclined, we remain yours in centered subject. Aww. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.